Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. And today we're going to be looking at some of your voicemails. So our first call in is from Jason of the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Hey, Hannah and John, Jason here. Really enjoyed your episode on Gunpowder and D&D. I think all the points are pretty well made. I fall in John's camp here. I think they're super thematic. I think they're fun. And I think realistically, they're one shot, one and done, one shot and you drop them. You, you know, you could carry Mandalore pistols across your chest like Blackbeard the Pirate, but realistically, that's going to keep you cut down on how many other weapons you're going to carry. You know, and those pistols weren't lightweight little things. So your encumbrance is going to go up dramatically. And yeah, I know we're most of us don't aren't real sticklers for encumbrance, but maybe in this case, you look at that, you know, I don't know. But yeah, I, I don't think they unbalance anything in an individual fight. I think the problem is because both sides have access to them, right? I think the problem potentially is, and you got into this in the show, is how they change the world, how they make magic less useful. But depending on your game and what you're doing with it, that might not matter. So yeah, I'm a fan. So mind you, I, you know, I'm a Warhammer fan, so roleplay fan too. So they've always been there. Anyhow, take it easy. Hi, Jason. Really glad you enjoyed the episode. And yeah, that's one of the points that we were trying to get at, that when you add guns or anything like that into your setting it changes your setting it's not necessarily a bad thing it's just something you're going to want to explore and continuing the theme of gunpowder in D&D, we now have rob davis aka the swamper calling in so take it away rob hi john it's and hannah it's rob uh john you i guess you know me well um i do not like guns in my game in my D games at all i don't hate guns, just I don't want them in my fantasy. Uh, any tech for me, I don't know, takes it out of that fantasy genre. I, I won't allow trains for the same reason, so it's not just anti-gun. Um, like you said, guns are kind of a leveler where if anyone can get one, then, you know, everyone is more the same. I prefer a world where only a small percentage of people are heroes, and that makes them special. And if everyone has a gun and is, in a, you know, on the same rough level, then I think that specialness is lost. There's also something, I don't know, romantic or more daring about a sword-to-sword battle than two people, you know, a hundred meters or more away shooting at each other from behind the cover of walls. I just, that's less cinematic. Um, I completely agree that mechanical balance is not an issue. And in the end, it just comes down to simple preference. I'm fine with guns if you're in a colonial setting or a pirate setting or a modern setting, but for fantasy, no thanks. Anyway, enjoying the podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks very much for calling in, Rob. And yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It is pretty much just a matter of personal preference. And as Hannah was just saying in a response to Jason, it does affect your campaign world. And that's not necessarily a bad or a good thing. It just gives it a bit of a different flavour. And you have to be sort of ready for that or comfortable with that to bring them into your campaign world. In terms of it being a leveller, I think it is to a certain degree, but only in the sense that everyone in a fantasy game can 
and pick up a sword. Everyone can get hold of melee weapons. Now, of course, in standard D&D, not everyone's equally proficient with those weapons. But by the same token, not everyone's going to be equally proficient with firearms. And whilst I can see your point about sort of later on firearms, like more reliable ones, you know, about standing behind a wall and just like sniping at each other, I think when you're talking about the early sort of like flintlock black powder style weapons, which we were discussing in the main, that's not really a thing because in the sort of standard like D&D combat round, you may be going to get one shot. And then if you're spending the rest of the time frantically trying to fumble your powder horn out and reload your gun, by the time you've done that, your enemy is going to have run across that distance between you, leapt over that wall and stuck something unpleasant in your gizzards. So again, I think you're absolutely right. It does come down to personal preference. And like you say, it doesn't really unbalance the game, but it definitely does put a different flavour on it. And whether that works for you or your group, it's just down to personal preference of you and your group. Yeah, whether or not there's guns in your setting, having one doesn't necessarily make you a hero. Very true, very true. (laughs) And we've got another one from Jason coming up again now, talking a bit about our episode where we discussed book layout and particularly OSE. So take it away, Jason. Hey, Han and John. Excellent episode on uh, book layout effectively, right? I, I mean, you you know, you talk, John talked a lot about OSE and combat sequence and putting things where it's easily found. Of course, as John acknowledged, all that comes from BX, but definitely has been reorganized and maybe easier to use fashion by, by Gavin, without doubt. Um, but I can't believe he didn't talk about indexes. Gosh. I think part of the difference in layout concepts, back in the day, you always had, and I know they still make them, but back in the day, you always had game master screens. And all the things you're talking about, having all the tables, handy reference all together in one place, was the province of the game master screen. So yeah, it might the rules might be spread across Boot Hill, but you pull out the Boot Hill game master screen, and it's all right there in front of you, handy when you're on that gunfight. And the same thing with D&D, like the Judges Guild, old the old GM screen for the Judges Guild was excellent. Had everything right there. If you had read the rules, you could play the game right off the ju- right off the referee screen. And nowadays, maybe, yeah, I mean, they still make referee screens, right? OSE has one. I believe over on D Percentile Podcast, Dave's kids review it and do a great job on, you know, selling us on why we need to buy that screen. But yeah, I think that's part of the thing is now, in addition to have potentially having a referee screen if one's made, it's also where it needs to be in the book. Where back in the day, I think they weren't worried about making it easy to find in the book because it was all on the referee screen. So I think it's just an evolution in thought process of layout, which, which is effectively what you said anyway. But I wanted to plug referee screens. Not that I have a lot of use for them these days, but I think that was a thought process back in day. So hope that helps. Hi, Jason. Glad you enjoyed that episode as well. Um, I think we did sort of briefly touch on GM screens during that episode. And I think the reason that we didn't really talk about them more is that neither one of us particularly uses them. Yeah. Uh, John, I know, is a big fan of having the dice open there for the players to see. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, my game runs online, so I effectively use my laptop as a GM screen with all the characters there that I can look at all their stats while I'm running, all my other notes, sound effects, everything, all on there. But that also means that when I've like trawled through the book, I've got a couple of post-it notes stuck on the side of the laptop with the basic things that you would have put on a GM screen. Yeah, I think the irony of me saying I don't really use GM screens a lot, although I have spoken to Jason about this and I have got the OSE ref screen, is that even though I don't buy a lot of GM screens in terms of like 
commercially made ones Mm -hmm. often if i'm running a game where maybe the layout's not the best maybe the index isn't particularly good i'll put together like a a little cheat sheet Mm -hmm. for myself which i I think pretty much sort of serves the same purpose of the gm screen with the benefit of i only put the stuff on there that i need for running a game rather than someone else putting what they think i need to run a game on there i'm not saying one's particularly better than the other i mean i'm a big fan of the osc gm screen even though i've not actually got to use it yet most of my games are online like i say but i think you make a very good point jason that perhaps they were more reliant on the gm screen sort of back in the day i also can't help wondering if the gm screen is more of a thing in america because frankly you have a bigger room to put a decent table in it's very rare that you've got a whole dining room big table that you can put six people around comfortably move to move your miniatures and be able to see the gm around the gm screen here yeah our houses are tiny compared to the ones that you tend to have in america so the whole sort of stereotypical image of you know everyone sat around a massive dining table everyone gathered around the gm's got all of his stuff spread out there's a big gm screen he's got his books his dice everything behind it that's not really such a thing over here i'm not saying no one does it but certainly in my experience i've never really been to a face-to-face game and i've been to a fair few where that's been the case we did that fourth edition game oh yeah yeah all right that that, that was like the one exception and that was the the guy running it had like a massive room that he was running his game in but that tends to be the exception rather than the norm over here But I think Jason's got a bit more to say about the recent monster episodes we've been doing, particularly the ones concerning the Fiend Folio. So what do you think then, Jason? Fiend Folio is by far my favourite of the first edition monster books. I I don't know if it's my nostalgic because the first edition monster manual is my first AD&D book, but the Fiend Folio is my favourite when you actually look at content. Um, And I also found out something new today, that my artistic taste aligns with Hannah and not with John. Who knew? Anyhow, you guys are doing a great job. Keep it up. Talk to you later. Well, I'm glad to hear that someone likes some of the artwork I do, although I must admit my tastes are quite eclectic in that department. Yeah, and I think it'd be wrong to say that I don't like any of the the sort of older artwork because I do think a lot of it is, in my opinion, better than the more modern stuff, which is obviously all sleek and all great and all very dark and very vivid. But there is something about those simpler sort of earlier artworks that is great. However, in some cases, as with the Mantari we were talking about recently, I just find the odd little bit of the artwork just looks a little bit goofy for my particular taste. But let's say it's personal preference. I'm glad you're enjoying the monster episodes looking at the fiend folio, Jason. Well, unfortunately, we, we tend to like roll dice for picking the monster. We've been a bit unlucky, I think, with the, the monsters we've got so far in some cases. So what we're do, going to be doing from now on, just as a bit of a trial, we might keep it up, we might not, see how it goes, is we're going to be putting a poll up on Twitter. In fact, the poll's We'll probably have finished by the time you hear this, but we're going to do like one a week and we'll put up like two or three monsters out of whatever book we're looking at. And then whichever one gets the most votes, that's the one we'll look at. So the poll that we're doing this week, like I said, it'll already closed by the time you hear this episode. We chose the Adhera, the Apparition and the Bloodworm. And as of the time of us recording this, they're sort of neck and neck between the Adhera and the Bloodworm. So 
we don't know if this will work or not but we're just trying it as an alternate way of picking monsters so we can make sure people are getting episodes that they're interested in basically and hopefully we'll get a few more interesting monsters than the random dice rolls have been providing but thank you very much for your calling jason glad you're enjoying the episodes and next up we have a voicemail from barney over at the loco ludus podcast Take it away, Barney. Hi, Hannah and John. It's Barney. First of all, thank you ever so much for responding to my British Empire question. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I loved your thoughts about that. And that was great. And thanks for the encouragement with that. Um, there's been a number of really enjoyable episodes uh so thanks for those and i but i just wanted to say i love the tpk episode um you know that i was asking joe about that and then he's asking you about it and you know we were talking about that the other week on discord and you said john that that you know you hadn't had that many and then there's this and i love the double tpk and I just think, I just think this is, makes it so much more exciting. Of course, you know, you don't want it all the time, but, um, I, I think, I think for GMs not to hold back and kind of just, you know, be preservationist for the players and just give them that full on thing and kind of even go with the kind of behave, weird behavior of people like Colin, uh, his goblin, you know, brilliant. Love it. Let's keep it going. Let's keep TPKing. Fantastic. See you. Thanks very much for that, Barney. Glad you enjoyed the TPK episode. And I think you're absolutely right. You do have to be a little bit sparing with these like special sessions and these dispensations and things like that. But if used with a bit of a light touch, they can add a great deal to your game. Now, I wouldn't say I was a preservationist of... Um, player characters because I've always been a great proponent of the fact that the story is just whatever happens in the game so if that story is that you get hit by a kobold's crossbow bolt and you die at first level then that's what the story is however in certain situations and circumstances like the ones we discussed in that episode where you've got like a TPK I don't see anything wrong with not allowing the player characters to get out of it because they have all died that's the story but since they've all died where's the harm in giving them like an extra sessions sort of fun and games allowing them to go out with a bit more of a bang yeah uh, i think the reason i've never had a tpk in one of my games is that a lot of my games aren't really focused on combat they yeah. tend to be focused on like bigger picture issues your big star trek ethical dilemmas or some like argument between neighbors or some silly thing like that so i think it's just because i don't tend to find the combat as interesting as other parts like other stakes now, I think you make a good point, love, because obviously the how deadly a game is is going to be different depending on what sort of game you're running, what genre you're running, and even within the same genre, what the focus of your game is. So, for instance, if you ran a D&D game where you're all sort of nobles running like a fiefdom, the levels of lethality and combat will be different than if you're running your standard dungeon crawl game. So I think that's a very good point. So, like I say, some people like self-love won't have had many TPKs. And like I said, I've not had a great deal of them to be honest i mean i can probably count the number of them i've had on like one hand 
but they do happen occasionally and it's as we've said before it's that whole risk reward thing isn't it where if there's no risk the reward doesn't feel like it's been earned and if every time the the group are about to die because of like in my icrpg game that was entirely because of stuff they'd done it wasn't like i just suddenly they're walking through the forest and i was sitting like a group of ogres jump you boom and they were all dead it was because of stuff the player characters had done and there's nothing wrong with that and i think as barney was saying if the player characters do stuff and their actions lead to consequences i almost feel it's like your duty as the gm to run with that rather than say oh are you sure about that or find a way to sort of like weasel them out of the consequences of their actions because if your actions don't have any consequences then what's the point true but i do also tend to think that if there's something that just seems like common sense to me and the player characters haven't picked up on it that's probably because I've not explained it properly so I'll give them a heads up of are you sure you want to go paddling in the lava pools you know I think that's a perfectly valid point of and I think in the ICRPG game if the first thing they'd have come across was the ogre lair and they'd have gone oh let's go in I might have gone do you remember like in the city earlier on when like one ogre like kicked your asses are you sure you want to go into a cave where there's an indeterminate amount of them However, since they'd previously just been in a combat with three of them that had kicked their asses, and they were like, yes, let's go to this Ogalair and take on the rest of them, I then don't feel it's my duty to point that out because the previous encounter illustrated that point. And as a GM, I feel that if you sort of show players like these are the potential consequences of messing with this and they choose to mess with it anyway, again, I think it's your duty as a GM not to stop them, but just to sort of let them get on with it. Like you say, once as long as they're aware of what's going on, I'm fine with that. But I don't think Barney's quite finished talking about TPKs, so why don't we let him finish up what he was going to say? And on that topic of TPKs, I've got one. So I've started widening playtests of my own RPG system. Uh, And the game I played on Saturday was supposed to have three players. In the end, there was a no-show, so it was just two. Um, And in this little scenario um, set... In the archaic past, um, the adventurers are travelling down river and uh, they, they they encounter a not too big waterfall. And one of the one of the one of the players goes over the waterfall, gets injured, and that with their boat, um, the other manages to scramble to safety. But the boat knocks into a baby bear that is fishing with its gnarly mother. So these two adventurers were up against an angry old mother bear and the mother bear ripped them apart. That was it. Was it was like so in, with the playtest to doing these little these little encounters and wiped them out in I don't know half an hour. Uh, something you know the whole thing. It was cool. It's great. Fantastic. Thrilling. <laughs> so I can't stop giggling at that. I, I don't know whether it's your delivery or the silliness of the story, but I hope the rest of our listeners have enjoyed it as well. Cheers yeah. for sharing. Yeah, great story there, Barney. Thank you very much for sharing that. We love hearing stories about people's gaming and TPKs and stuff like that. And that really has tickled us. The In fact, as we were listening to it, when we got to the point where you were like, oh, they bumped into a baby bear, I was like, oh, but they're going to get mullered by the mum. And I think that's a great example of how these things can just happen and how a story can unfold. You know, things happened, the players got into a situation, the mother bear rage was the result so thank you very much for that barney we loved hearing that story okay so if anyone out there wants to get in touch with us maybe you've got a story of a tpk in your game or some other game related tales you'd like to regale us with 
or maybe you have comments on episodes that we've done in the past or suggestions for future episodes you can drop us a voicemail using the speakpipe website there is a link in the description of this episode or you can send an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com and thank you very much to all our wonderful callers until we see you again take care stay safe and keep gaming bye